Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 12-18, called Progress Through Problems. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, progress through problems. Progress through problems. Uh, we all would like to know how we make progress through problems, right? So we're going to be tackling that topic tonight, Philippians chapter 1. And we're, our jumping off point is actually going to be the prayer because it's going to link us to the section ahead. So would you join me as we pray the scripture? Here's what it says. Philippians 1.9 says, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God and all God's people said, Amen. Now, if you were with us last week, I told you that the language in here about knowledge is a intensified form of the Greek word gnosis, which means a really precise knowledge. And we talked about going to depths with our walk with Jesus and so forth. But part of what we struggle with as individuals, and we all would say this, I think, if we were all interviewed, is this. How do we discern circumstances as well as depth of knowledge. We all, we all want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's certainly true. But how do we discern Paul the apostle who planted the Philippian church in prison right now? If you're the servant girl at Philippi who got delivered from a demonic spirit by the apostle Paul, by the power of Jesus, but through Paul, if you're the... Um, if you're Lydia, seller of purple fabrics, first convert in Europe, and all of a sudden you hear that the Apostle Paul has been thrown in to some form of Roman imprisonment, you have to be asking, Lord, how do we understand such things? And, and the question walks itself out to the things that happen in our contemporary world and culture, a war in Ukraine, uh, you know, that's the latest thing, but you know, over the last couple of years, it's been this thing that you know, has now come this uh, COVID-19 virus and how much we didn't know in the early days. My wife was telling me that she went back and watched one of the YouTubes when the sanctuary was completely empty and I was preaching to a camera. That was so weird. We had a few staff people here and I was just trying to figure out how to preach to nobody being in the sanctuary. It was really a strange time. And ups and downs and, you know, uh, we've heard all the statistics about what's happened to a lot of people on the mental side of mental health and fear and all of these things that, that we could talk about tonight. But if you were a Philippian congregant and you heard that the man that came into town and preached the good news of the gospel was now in prison, and by the way, scholars would argue that his future is unknown to Paul and to everybody else that loves him. It's known to us. We know that he got out. We know that this was not the end of Paul's life. There was more time. But for all intents and purposes at this moment, 
there was, Paul might have thought, this is the end of my life. I'm going to stand before the emperor and he's going to condemn me and I'm going to die because this is an unknown sect and the Romans feel threatened by it and that's what happened at Philippi and therefore maybe this is the end of my life. Paul didn't know for sure. He said, I'm praying things are going to turn out well. And there's some language in here that seems to indicate that he knew he was going to go on and live, as we'll see at the end of chapter one. But still, a lot of unknowns, a lot of questions. And so in thinking about the prayer, I want to move the idea of discerning things into verse 12, as Paul clarifies. Now, Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brethren, writing to the Philippian church, So just think about that church, just like any church, like our church. We might be wondering what happened to someone that we loved, maybe somebody on the mission field, something like that. We get word back, uh, they're in prison, and here's what they write to us. Now, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. If you have an ESV, it says, I want you to know, brothers, and you could say brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I wrote something in my Bible just before I came out here. Here's what I wrote. Paul is so consumed with the good news of the gospel and its advance that all other problems in his life shrink by comparison. He is so consumed with the good news of Jesus Christ that all other problems in his life, namely that he's in some form of house arrest right now, the problems are dwarfed by the bigger mission of the gospel. And I think that we'd all have to admit that that's probably why so many of us lose sleep at night and you know, kind of just go up and down with, and rotate all these things in our mind, all the what-ifs, all the things we slice and dice mentally and otherwise, is maybe because we're consumed more about self than we are about the mission of the gospel. And let's be honest, we all wrestle with that. It doesn't matter if you're in a ministry position full-time or you're in some other form of work or whatever it may be. That is the real battle, to keep our eye on the ball, to keep our eye on the prize, to know that we only have a certain window of time to live this life and we want to be as consumed as we can with the mission that God has put each of us on. And I know that can be tough, especially in our culture. And so Paul is giving us really Romans 8.28 and Philippians 1.12. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Now, if you've ever heard this passage taught before, Romans 8.28, all things work together is a single Greek word called sooner geo. It's where we get the English idea of synergism. And what Paul is saying in Romans 8.28 is not that everything is good. With all due respect to those of you who say it's all good all the time, it's it's really not. Uh, It's not all good. Uh, We we know tonight, we we watched somebody interviewed in Ukraine, they're not going to say it's all good, right? We, We have our moments, we have our days, we have our situations, and we would say, this isn't good, but God is good. And God works, this is the idea, synergistically, all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? 
that you and I would be conformed into the image of his son, which is the very next verse in Romans 8, 29, which often gets ignored. The setting there is that God's working all things together for good to conform us more into the image of his son. That is what God is up to. And God is getting his mission done on the earth. And there are some things, for those of you who are taking notes, and, you, and I know many of you have wrestled with a lot of these concepts. There are some things that happen in this world from God's point of view simply for the advance of the gospel. And in this case, Paul, the main spokesman of the gospel in the first century, God allows him to experience prison for the advance of the gospel. I don't know if you or I have really factored that in to the whole question of God's will and the problem of evil, the advance of the gospel. But for Paul, that is it. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, here's how he puts it. Woe, if me, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. I'm under compulsion. Woe is me, I do, and then he says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. Then he, then he uses that image of running a race. Don't you know that everybody runs in a race? But not everybody wins the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. This was Paul's secret to contentment. We'll read about that in chapter 4 of Philippians. And that is that he was consumed with Christ and the gospel. I'm going to show you just the ending of Genesis chapter 50. So the very first book of the Old Testament. This is a familiar passage, but this is the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. And I, I share it with you for a reminder and your encouragement. It's at the end of the Joseph story, sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, spent, some believe, more than a decade in prison, you know, interpreted dreams, and then went from the prison to the penthouse, as it were. And his brothers finally appeared to him. Joseph's revealed who he is and what God has done. And Joseph says to them, chapter 50, verse 19 of Genesis, don't be afraid for am I in God's place? Am I, am I going to judge you? As for you, Genesis 50, verse 20, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, that is to get the nation of Israel into a place away from famine and into safety, at least at, least at this moment, to preserve many people alive. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. God used what you intended for evil for good to bring about a present result. That is to preserve the nation of Israel back to Philippians so that what might finally occur throughout through history, the Messiah would be born from the tribe of Judah. And that's why God protected Israel. Uh, that's not the only reason he loved them, but to bring forth the Messiah who would then save the world. And that's why we're all sitting here tonight. Amen. Because God worked in Joseph's life. And God saved Saul, who then went into Europe and preached the gospel. And the gospel finally ends up on the shores of the United States of America. You're born at a certain time in history. You hear the gospel, however you heard it. You come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so it goes. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And the gospel finally ends up on the shores of the United States of America. You're born at a certain time in history. You hear the gospel, however you heard it. You come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and so it goes. The idea of gospel advance for Paul consumed his life and dwarfed all of his other problems. And there's a third guy I want to bring up. So maybe imagine a conversation in a small Bible study at the church at Philippi. And imagine Lydia says, I don't get it. Why is Paul in prison? And imagine the servant girl, formerly demon-possessed. He, he delivered me with a word, and I was delivered from demonic possession. Why would Paul be in prison? And then the Philippian jailer might speak up and say, wait a minute. I met Paul in my prison. Amen. Paul ended up, you know, in the stocks in the Philippian jail because people were afraid of the gospel being preached and they're bringing all these ideas and so forth. And Paul gets beaten, Paul and Silas, put into the stocks, singing hymns at midnight. And you know the rest of the story, right? The Philippian jailer gets saved. He says famously, what must I do to be saved Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. The Philippian jailer might say to Lydia or the formerly demon-possessed servant girl, well, that's how I got saved was Paul was in my prison. God does use prisons, amen? Now, it's not where any of us would want to be. But for Paul, it's all about the advance of the gospel. And here's my question. Is that even on your radar tonight? I hope so. And it's a challenging thought for all of us. I want you to know, says Paul, this is what's happened. Now, to our knowledge of the chronology of Paul's visit to Philippi, which was a short one, and then his departure, it's been about four years since they've seen him. And maybe they heard some rumors. Uh, Maybe they heard about Paul being imprisoned. Maybe they wondered if he was already dead. They didn't really know. Then this letter arrived and certainly would have comforted their hearts, but um, Paul is going to assure them that gospel advancement is going on. In fact, the word for advancement is in the Greek is to move forward. This is what the gospel is doing. It speaks of a pioneer advance. It's a Greek military term referring to an army of engineers who go before troops in the military to open up new territory. That is, that they would go and clear out brush 
and trees so that the military army could advance. And that's what Paul has said. My circumstances have paved a way, opened up a path for the gospel. You say, well, what kind of path? What has actually happened? Well, here's a further explanation. So that my imprisonment, 113 of Philippians, in Christ, literally the cause of Christ, if you have the New American Standard, is added by the translators. It just literally reads, my imprisonment is in Christ. But it, it makes sense. The way that they've rendered it from Greek to English is, my imprisonment in the cause of Christ or the cause of the gospel has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. It's become evident, New King James or clear NIV, to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. That's the New King James Version. My imprisonment is literally in Christ and it's become phaneris in Greek, apparent, recognizable, plain, evident that I'm not a wrongdoer. No, no, no. That namely, I'm in prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. The Greek word for the palace guard is transliterated as the praetorian. It can denote either a special building, for example, a commander's headquarters or an emperor's palace, or the group of men in the imperial guard. These praetorian guards were likely those who protected, get this, Caesar himself. They were an elite squad. They received double pay. They were kind of hand-picked soldiers. Some of the commentators that look at history at this time say there were about nine or 10,000 of them. And then their numbers uh, grew a little bit uh, under Augustus. Uh, and then uh, under Vitellius, they increased about 16,000. So just think of an elite force of Roman soldiers that were honored with double pay, good pension, special duties, They guarded the emperor himself, but also on special occasions, they would guard imperial prisoners. So here's Paul under house arrest. He's appealed to Caesar in the book of Acts. We read about this in chapter 24 and 25. And then we get an explanation of what he's up to in chapter 28. We read that in the introduction. But Paul had a certain amount of freedom. People were coming to Paul. This is the very end of the book of Acts. And he was freely able to share the gospel. But here's what was happening. The Roman guards that guarded Paul would be chained to him, literally, and chained, I think it was either every four or six hours. So every time Paul got a new guard, guess what opportunity he got? To share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it was both probably direct sharing and indirect. Because remember, there were people coming to Paul's location because he couldn't leave. But they were coming to him and Paul was preaching Jesus Christ from the Old Testament from the morning until the evening. So you can imagine the guards were getting an earful because they were on the clock. They had no other option but to listen to Paul, share his testimony over and over again, share the truths of the gospel, share his revelations from the Lord into the truth of the gospel. Can you imagine? They're getting a seminary education four to six hours a day. And every time they changed over, I think the apostle Paul stretched a little bit, went, all right, Lord, (laughs) here's another shot at another guard. How else would Paul be able to reach in to Caesar's world with the good news of the gospel 
unless the Lord had allowed this to occur. No one would have ever thought of this. A means of evangelism into the Roman leadership through Paul's imprisonment? I mean, if Paul is thinking in practical terms, remember the guy traveled everywhere. You ever looked at his missionary journeys? Up and down, red lines, black lines, yellow lines, up, down, back, forth, rivers, mountains, robbers, you name it. Hanging on to wreckage in the sea to get the gospel to another soul, going on islands, etc., to get the gospel out. And now he's imprisoned. And you know, the natural reaction on a human level would be, you got to be kidding me, Lord. This, how could this be your will? You've got me traveling everywhere to share the gospel, and now you got me chained in some location to these guards. But this is what this was God's plan. God is the great exploiter of evil circumstances for good purposes. However they come about, and I know we all theologically wrestle with some of these concepts, and God's, you know, we might call God's particular sovereignty uh, is he over every single action that ever takes place on the planet, or does he allow a certain amount of free will and then take that and exploit it for his purposes because he's just so majestic in his nature? There's different views. Good people disagree, but here's the bottom line. God has taken Paul's circumstance and turned it for the advance of the gospel. Amen? Amen. And the guards couldn't get away. And so Paul was probably preaching to them night and day and day and night. And here's how we know the result. Flip over to Philippians 4. Take a look at the very end of the letter. The second to the last verse says these words. Paul's doing some final greetings and he says, 422. All the saints greet you, especially those of who? Caesar's household. Through this imprisonment, the gospel has reached into Caesar's family. That is amazing. Now, when Paul made his appeal to Caesar, he was, uh, back to chapter one, he was doing it because obviously they wanted to beat him without a trial and all of that. He made his appeal uh, on a legal basis as a Roman citizen. But could he have imagined that God would use this time to reach into Caesar's own palace, if you will, through the guards that guarded the, uh, you could say, the, the leading family. And here's another interesting insight. Now, Paul wrote several letters in his first Roman imprisonment, which includes Ephesians. One of the things that he wrote in Ephesians is a whole treatment on something called the armor of God. Do you know where he got that, those concepts from? Sitting with Roman elite guards looking at their garb and then writing metaphors into our spiritual uh, provisions from God. Amen. You've been listening to Progress Through Problems, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 1, 12 through 18. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on the Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Hey, if you're outside of the Southern California area and you say, I can't drive to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, uh, we get it. So find a good, healthy church in your area. 
you may say, how do I find a good Bible teaching church? Similar maybe to the approach that you're hearing on this broadcast. Well, probably the best thing to do is do a little search in your area and listen to some of the sermons from the Sunday mornings. I think just about every church has their sermons up on their site. So maybe before you go, listen to three or four, see if they're you know, doing uh, more in-depth Bible teaching and check it out and get involved. Being a solo Christian just doesn't work, man. You got to be part of the body. So get plugged in. I know some of you have physical reasons why you can't, and we pray that you are being blessed by radio ministry and the like. But if you can, if you're able-bodied and you can be plugged in and serve, please be part of the church. And I and I do want to say to our friends that, you know, you, you got so much going on on the weekend, man. Um, you know, you're sending a message about your priorities when you're not in church. I just, I just have to be blunt. So you may want to take a look at your schedule and, and see what kind of message you're sending to the ones that you're supposed to be example about uh, in terms of the kingdom of God. Think about that. And um, I pray the Lord will show you the way in discerning what is best. All right. Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and helps us to do our free apologetic events, too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Philippians 1, 12-18, called Progress Through Problems. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.